Welcome back to the User Flows Podcast. My name is Thomas Morell, and this is a show where we talk about UX design and careers. I typically interview designers about their journey into the field and break down how they've become successful in their roles that we can all learn together. That is typically what I do. I'm not going to do that today. Today is not a typical day, and neither will the last few episodes of this year and this season. So today I want to answer the questions that I've been asked throughout the first year of this podcast. Uh, just a brief Q&A uh, that I hope will benefit you, the listener. Perhaps you've had you know these same questions and didn't know who to ask. Just a note, all opinions are my own and do not reflect my employer or any other professional's opinions. Now, firstly, um, I'd like to read through a blog post I wrote earlier this year titled QA Session with an Intern Curious About UX Design. Um, I'll link that blog post and all other links I discuss on this show um, on my website at thomasmorell.com slash podcast. Uh, this show and every other show is up there and you can read through all of the show notes and find any interesting links uh, there. I received these questions from an engineering intern about what she would do in order to pursue a career in UX design. And below are my answers to her questions. Hope this can help anyone else making that same transition. So the original email sent to me, hi, Tom, thanks for getting back to me. Here are some questions I have. What is your journey into UX? What does a day at work look like to you? Have you worked with people who started out in a non-design field and transitioned over to UX slash product design? And what do you believe made them successful and or stand out? And next question is, what are some aspects of design and UX that are often overlooked by beginners, especially when starting a portfolio? And do you know any good resources for learning more about UX, UI, or getting connected with others in the field? Looking forward to your response. It'll undoubtedly be very valuable to me. Thanks. Which awesome, fantastic email to get. Um, love answering emails like that to people who are interested and want to learn more. So here's my response. Firstly, the fact that you are asking these questions like this are, and are interested enough to listen to the answers means you're going to do just fine. So question number one, what was your journey into UX? So I started my career in graphic design and not UX design. I interned for a small agency in London, England, who also had a comic book studio. We did the packaging and advertising for video games and films. I fell in love with design as a career and as a lifestyle and went to work for that company full time once I graduated. Um, I may have had to beg a little, but that's fine. <laughs> I later went on to be an art director for a luxury goods retail chain, but I got my first taste of UX design when I took a job for a company that did architecture and interior designs and branding, believe it or not. We did a lot of digital campaigns for the spaces we built, like um, you know, digital wayfinding systems, websites, digital kiosks. And luckily for me, nobody else on the team liked to work on digital products, so I became the go-to person for that kind of work. And when the economy tanked in 2008, I was laid off, but everyone I worked with who also got laid off began coming to me for all their digital needs. So suddenly I found myself in business for myself. That's a lot of myself in one sentence. I freelanced and opened a company with a partner of mine for about eight years, and we managed an assortment of companies' digital products. So their marketing, and we were basically their outsourced design department, if you will. As my partnership started to fade and I was more on my own, I began, talk, uh, I began taking on larger UX projects for enterprise types of clients. So companies with large software ecosystems needed strategy, guidance, et cetera. And all of these projects stemmed from the work that I had done at that architecture studio, funny enough. And I was able to take on these projects because of the relationships that I had built there. They trusted me with their brand design work. So they trusted me with their UX work even though I may not have had a ton of experience in 
UX specifically at that point. And in order to advance my you know, user experience design skills, I took an online course from the University of San Diego or UC San Diego to learn the basics because at that point I was pretty much self-taught and they offer this course, um, which is a carbon copy of the Stanford, uh, the Stanford D school course, uh, through Coursera.com. I highly recommend this class and I have seen great people come out of, uh, general assembly and springboard as well. I'm currently a mentor at springboard. Just want to put that out there. Now, question number two, what does a day at work look like? Well, a day at work for any type of designer can vary greatly depending on the team you are working on and what your role on that team is. So I'll just talk about what happened for me currently. Currently, I'm the lead on a team where I'm a sole contributor to a design, meaning I am the only designer. Um, we work in an agile pod. And just a note, this was actually written before I started my current role. So this no longer relates to what I'm doing today. But I'll continue reading the blog post because I don't want to get you confused. So we work as an agile pod. This means our development process follows the agile process, which is a process meant to streamline the delivery of digital products and focuses on iteratively releasing software on a two-week, one-week, or another periodic schedule. We are a one-week schedule, so it's a bit intense. Our day starts off with a stand-up meeting. We are all go through what we're working on, what we did yesterday, and if anything is blocking us. Each week, we decide on what we're going to build and then build together. As a designer, I need to be very connected to the roadmap of what will be built in the coming months. And so then I can break down my work into the three categories, which are strategy, UX, and UI. So for features that are far off, especially when we begin a project, I work in what I call the strategy phase. I help conduct the research about our users, help the product team develop and shape requirements, create high-level flows of the intended experience, and help them put the team in the shoes of our customers while aligning on how we can best serve Next, I'm in the UX phase. So really focusing on the experience side of things informed by the strategy, which we went through. This is where I'll collaboratively hold workshops with the team to sketch solutions for new features that will be coming up in a few weeks. We line on the concepts in the form of sketches, wireframes, which will turn into lower fidelity type prototypes uh, that we can test with real and potential customers. Um, in which case, I'll develop a testing plan, create the test, conduct the test, and once we have the results, I'll help the team analyze those results and decide on the next steps and any changes we might need to make. And when a design has been you know, thoroughly tested and is ready, then I'll work on the very high fidelity UI portion. And this I'll use to hand off to the development team for them to create the final product. It's only ready to hand to the development team because they were involved in the earlier process of ideating, wireframing, and have agreed to what we're going to build. Um, so they've been informed the full way through the process. Uh, we still do some user testing at this point just to make sure the prototype really hits with users. And from a tools perspective, I use Sketch at work to create the designs and Envision to create clickable prototypes. We conduct pretty much all of our usability testing um, in person or through software like usertesting.com. So in any given sprint, my time is stretched between strategizing on future features creating user experience design for upcoming features or creating user interface details for features currently being worked on by the development team. This all involves working very closely with the development and business teams to troubleshoot any issues that come up as they're building. It's good to break up the process regularly by connecting with teams outside your project so we can connect our work with the company at large. 
So occasionally I'll conduct workshops or design sprints to help the team get out of a decision rut or just to help jumpstart a new idea or a new feature. So as you can see, the days can vary wildly, but it's important to align and strategize with your business partners um, as much as it is to deliver design and sketch and or any other software. So question, next question. Have you worked with people who started out in non-design field and transitioned over to UX slash product design? Yes. And what do you believe made them successful and or stand out? Great question. Um, yeah, worked with a ton of people from all sorts of backgrounds who did not begin their careers in UX design or any other design practice. I've worked with folks from psychology, biomedical, business, graphic design, architecture, and more. I myself came from graphic design before I got into UX, but that's kind of closely related. And the people that succeeded are really those who never stopped learning. Those who are curious and keep striving to be better. Uh, you're not ever going to have all the answers. The key is to be curious and courageous enough to continuously search for the answers while asking new questions that arise. So most of these folks are not afraid to give their opinions and speak up regularly. Those who sit in the background and don't voice their opinion or get comfortable leading the conversation will struggle to be effective, to be an effective designer, as a large majority of UX and product design is based on communication and trust. I firmly believe that communication and trust are the two most important skills for any job, but especially as a UX designer, uh, the products you build need to be trusted to be successful. And in order to gain that trust, you need to communicate authentically with your user to solve their problems ethically. In order to build a product like that, you need to foster trust amongst your team. In order to do that, you need to be a great communicator and to explain your ideas and work with your team to arrive at the best solutions. What are some aspects of design or UX that are often overlooked by beginners, especially when starting a portfolio? And my answer is always to that question, personality. Um, I and many other people who are in a you know, hiring position have to look through lots of portfolios for potential hires, and they're all kind of start to look the same after a while. So infuse some of your personality into your portfolio. Um, make it something that's going to be, you know, stop somebody in their track and make them want to look. Start with the final result of your project and then walk us through a story of how you got to that result. Include pictures detail the process you took, highlight what your role was and how successful you know, the overall outcome was. Hit upon the problems you encountered and how you overcame them. It's okay to show your ideas that never made it to the final design. Show everything from the initial sketches to the ideation sessions that didn't go anywhere. You know, as designers, we understand the kind of back and forth that goes into a project. And sometimes your best work doesn't make it um, to the end product. So it's okay to show stuff that never actually saw the light of day, but you know, make the viewer aware that that's what they're looking at. So keep the text short and sweet and edit the project down to only further tell the story you were trying to get across. In other words, just remove the fluff. Nobody wants to read a novel when they're trying to get a grasp of what this project was. And if you don't have any work to show in your portfolio, it's fine to do projects like redesigning a big, product that you use every day. Um, redesign an app that you have to use that you dislike. Document the whole process and create you know, a great new design. Show it off in a portfolio. Take on projects for family friends or redesign their websites. Create your own app uh, or whatever else you can do to improve and then also you know, prove your skills alongside that. Um, those things are fine. Just start designing somewhere. 
Do you know of any good resources for learning more about UX and UI or for getting connected with others in the field? Sure thing. So Nielsen Norman Group um, has great articles, videos, and content on UX design. Don Norman wrote a book called The Design of Everyday Things, which is a must-read for any UX designer. And there are tons of Facebook groups to join. Um, Here are some good Facebook groups to join. So UX Beginner, UX Portfolio Tribe, IXDA Global um, are just a few to start with. And there are also lots of great designers on Instagram who talk about UX, how to get into it. Uh, They give mini lessons all the time in the form of IGTV and carousel posts. Also, a ton of podcasts um, out there like the Experience Design Podcast, uh, now called Liftoff. I guess I wrote this a while ago. Um, Yeah, so Liftoff, um, Design Better podcast. The UX Podcast, UI Breakfast, and User Defenders are all great shows to listen to. And another great website with fantastic articles, articles, articles and courses is the UIE, or just UIE.com. No the in there. And another thing you do is attend meetups, which... Is still a little bit hard to do right now, but they are coming back. Um, conferences are fantastic, but also a little hard to do right now. And depending on your comfort level, um, if you're ready for in-person, some are in-person, but there's still a lot of really great ones online and also some short courses you can take. There are Slack channels, Reddit groups, and other groups that you can join. I've never personally done that because I just don't like that form of communication. But I know some people who do and get a lot out of it. Also, Discord. Uh, Medium is a great place and a great platform with lots of great writers talking about UX design. Also, there are a number of great LinkedIn groups to join. Just do a simple search and you'll find more than you could possibly ever get through. Also, keep doing what you're doing by asking people in the field. Good luck. If you ever need to, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Thanks, Tom. So that was one set of QA questions. And I really enjoyed getting that email um, from people. And I think she's going to have a very successful career in UX just by asking questions like that. You're going to learn a lot. So I appreciate um, people reaching out like that. So the next round of questions comes from a student at Kutztown University, where my good friend and colleague Holly Tinkin is a professor. So shout out to Holly and Kutztown University. So a lot of her questions were repeats. So I'm going to just talk about the ones that I didn't just answer. Do you see any shifts happening in the industry right now? And my answer to that is absolutely. Lots of shifts happening in the industry. Uh, The best one is that UX design is highly in demand. Highly, highly in demand. I and a lot of my colleagues have recruiters and companies reach out to us almost every day, offering crazy salaries and perks to come work with them. I think I've gotten three just today, which is great. Schools and boot camps, universities don't seem really able to create enough graduates in this field to fill all the roles that are currently open, which is great. Will that last forever? Probably not, but it's going to be good, strong field to be a part of for quite a time to quite a long time to come. Um, The world is becoming increasingly digital and the pandemic is only making that move to digital even faster. Uh, The new world will need a lot of designers to help shape it. Another thing is that design now has a seat at the table. For a long time, designers were looked past or just as someone, you know, there to make something look pretty. Businesses now know that their experience as their product and the designers should be involved in helping shape every aspect of that experience. 
Design holds leadership roles, and if we want to continue to be taken seriously, we need to take our responsibility seriously. There's a quote I love from Beth Comstock, um, past VP at GE, or SVP at GE, something like that. Anyhow, uh, she says, what business needs now is design. What design needs now is to make it about business. Love that quote. And what else? So tons of new technologies, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, machine learning, virtual reality, blockchain, will all be things designers will need to touch and shape. Uh, we need to learn these technologies so we can help companies implement them in ethical and aesthetic ways. There is a fantastic passage from a book called The Future of Design, which I received from the author Lorraine Justice. And I'll read an excerpt from that here, talking about the future role of designers. Reading from that quote now, the role of design in the future could become similar to that of a curator, conductor, film director, or operations specialist. Depending on the product or service, interior designers, product designers, and user interface designers have skills today that are directly transferable to building virtual environments, which is where all of those technologies, AI, AR, VR, blockchain, are going to lead us. Now that's me speaking, not quote from the book. Get back to the book. The book goes on to say, in Rob Gerling's article, AI and the Future of Design, What Will a Designer of 2025 Look Like? He says that designers may well provide the missing link between AI and humanity. So designers may go into various specializations such as virtual environments. He says that the designer's role will be to set the goals, parameters, and constraints, and then review and fine-tune the AI-generated designs. Gerling does not believe that design jobs will go away, but they may change. There will be an opportunity to design AI environments and user interactions. But first, designers need to help create the emerging AI tools and systems that we will be using. In the future, there will likely be a melding of work methods and as cultures around the world adopt and adapt, team management practices, accepting and embracing continual change may become the most valued skill of all. And I love that last bit. The accepting and embracing continual change is becoming the most valuable skill of all. And that was me reading from the book, The Future of Design by Lorraine Justice, published in 2019. And she calls out a passage or a couple of passages in that short passage, quoting Rob Gerling from an article that he wrote, um, AI and the Future of Design. What will the designer of 2025 look like? Published on the O'Reilly Ideas blog back in 2017. I'll link to both of those books in the show notes. Um, New technologies will be the disruptors. So developing a learning mentality will help designers adapt with new technology and not turn away in fear from it. With all that new technology, though, mobile is still a big thing. As much as all these new technologies will eventually take over, the majority of companies still don't even have any type of mobile strategy. Uh, most of the world still lives in the design for desktop first mentality. Apps are still going to be a huge part of the design strategy over the next 10 years and also breaking outside of native apps for iOS and Android into, into more progressive web apps that can be accessed anywhere. The role of the, of the designer is also changing. Reading through the job boards, descriptions, and also being on the hiring side, uh, product designer seems to be the preferred role companies are looking to fill these days. I see all this stuff online about UX is not UI and vice versa. And technically that is correct, but these roles blend together and companies are looking for people who can craft, spin, and tell digital stories. That involves knowing how to create a great structure and also knowing how to make it look good and obvious and interactive 
user experience is not the user interface, but without a UI, there really is no experience if what we're talking about is a digital product. There will always be a market for someone who specializes in, say, visual design and someone who wants to specialize in research. There is just going to be a much larger market for those T-shaped designers who can do a whole spectrum of product design from strategy to working with prototypes, um, making them beautiful, interactive, and you know, great experiences. Remote work is the way of the future. People's time shouldn't be wasted traveling to offices through traffic and pollution in order to sit in a cubicle and be on a Zoom meetings with people in different locations. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Offices and meet spaces should be all about people collaborating on an as-needed basis to solve problems together. But being together just to be together while you neglect your family and life um, is a thing of the past and should stay there. So another question, how did you manage to work as a designer abroad in London? And I hit upon this in another question earlier. But first off, I was lucky. A friend of my oldest sister had moved to London and married an Englishman named Eddie who owned a design firm specializing in packaging and advertising for video games. Um, so it was a dream job for a college-age student. He happened to be visiting the U.S. during his holidays here, and he found out I was taking a graphic design course at school. He offered to take a look at my portfolio and promptly told me um, I wasn't learning anything in school and I should come do an internship for him, uh, which I took him up on. It was a chance of a lifetime, and I got to work on some really pretty cool stuff that summer. Um, it went well. And some of my work there was actually used in real campaigns, um, which really you know, sparked my interest in design as a profession. And the next part was just pure persistence. I kept in touch after graduating, and I phoned Eddie more than a few times to ask if I could come back and work for them again. It happened that they had a designer resign just recently, and he told me if I could make it there by the end of the month, I'd have a job. And so I got my visa um, together. I sold my car and a bunch of stuff I no longer needed. And in a little over a month, I was in London and I lived there for two years and it was absolutely the experience of a lifetime. Next question. What advice would you give someone looking to start working in UX slash product design? And I actually wrote a whole article about this very question. Um, I will spare you by not reading the entire article, but I will summarize it here. Um, there are a few things you can do to get started. Number one, practice. Practice, practice, practice. But seriously, practice. If you want to design, be a designer. Um, start anywhere you can. Um, redesign an app uh, you don't like, a website you don't like that you have to use every day, and start today. Um, there are tons of different places you can learn how to do it, and we will get into that next. And the next is watch, read, listen. Lots of places you can read. Medium. Um, there's a few YouTube channels um, that I like. Mike Locke's UX channel is great. That's L-O-C-K-E, um, The Flux channel, AJ and Smart, and Charlie Marie TV. That's Charlie's, and then Marie, M-A-R-I-E TV. Uh, those are all great channels. Um, you can crack open some books or just start scrolling through Medium. Medium has a ton of blogs and information about UX design. Here's some blogs I like. Envisions blog, UX Collective, UX Planet, UX Booth, Nielsen and Norman Group, and there are countless others on Medium, but there's also some great books. My top five for UX would be The Design of Everyday Things, which I've already mentioned in this podcast, A Project Guide to UX Design, Universal Principles of Design, Lean UX, and Don't Make Me Think are all great books to read. Um, there's also tons of accounts you can follow on Instagram, 
Facebook, wherever else you consume social media, TikTok. There's lots of people talking about and showing off the work that they do, and you can learn a lot that way. Um, and there's also some other great podcasts, which I've already mentioned in this show, but UI Breakfast, I don't think I mentioned, Design Matters with Debbie Milliman, I don't think I mentioned, and High Resolution. Um, next is to examine everything. Um, just take a look at how things are built and think about how they can be made better. Who were they made for? Why were they made? How do they make money? All of those things are important questions to ask. And with that, ask a lot more questions. One of the most important things you can do is ask questions. So you're already off to a great start asking questions like these. Next, make a project out of things. Um, you know, Make the line at Chipotle better. Make an app better. Um, or create a new one altogether. Um, you can turn almost anything into a design project, even your own life. Consider taking a course. It is hard to learn all these things on your own. And there are some great courses out there. Um, a lot of people poo-poo the UX boot camps, but I've worked with some great people who are now in leadership roles in design who graduated from General Assembly. I have been a UX mentor at Springboard. Um, I think it's a great program. And so there's a lot of great courses. I went and took a course through um, Coursera, which I've already mentioned in the show, so I won't get into full details. But it was a fantastic course and taught me all the basics and the language that I needed to know in order to really work in the field. Um, next, learn a design tool. Honestly, it doesn't matter which one, Sketch, Figma, Adobe XD, whichever one works for you, learn it. If you learn one, you'll be able to learn another. And then in the end, learn some code. HTML, CSS, and just some simple JavaScript will take you a long way to working with developers and make everyone's lives easier. And last but not least, create a portfolio. Actually, that's not last but not least, but it's the next step. Um, Take everything that you've worked on and turn it into a nice story in your portfolio that you can tell to a prospective employer. Make it visual, make it exciting, and infuse your own personality. Now, last but not least, don't let anyone tell you you can't do this. If this is something you want to do, there's a million resources out there to help you get it done. Just go for it. Okay, so the next question comes from one of my students at Springboard. And her question was, what's the most important mindset shift you had to make? in order to switch from visual design to UX design. And so this student asked me this question in her first class. Um, she wanted to know, you know what type of mindset she'd have to make in order to be successful in her career transition. She had already received a degree in illustration, but was really not getting anywhere professionally. So she was pursuing UX UI design, thinking this would help her with her career prospects. And I think she's right about that. I think it will help her with her career prospects and asking this question before you start any type of endeavor is probably a great idea no matter what the endeavor may be. Uh, the biggest mindset shift for me was a statement I first heard from Don Norman, um, who I've already mentioned in this podcast, and that statement goes, you are not your user. And you'll hear this statement thrown around a lot as you begin working in the field. It's kind of like a mantra in a way. It centers you and brings you back to what your focus should be, and that is serving you know, the person using your app or website or product. And I actually have a sticker of this on the back of my computer um, that my boss gave me as kind of a reminder, you know, who are we working for? And so what it really means is that as much as your opinion, the opinion of your boss, client, project manager, if the decisions you make don't increase value for the people who will be using your product, your product isn't going to be successful. Um, we build products for people, typically not ourselves. It's very rare that you or your boss will be the ideal user. 
of the app you're building. You always need to keep your ideal users at the forefront of everything you build. And when I worked in advertising, branding, web design, it was really always about creating something we were, we were excited about and got our clients excited. Obviously, we wanted people to like and be excited about it as well, but we never really got around to involving the folks who would actually be using the end product or experience the new brand or website as a really integral part of our design process. And this mindset will help you be constantly testing, iterating with the people who are ultimately going to make your product successful. And that's the people who pay to use it. Okay, so last question. I put out a survey recently, which I'd love for you to take if you have the time. You can find it at thomasmorell.com slash survey. And it focused on what I can do to improve this podcast. And I have one section in there where I ask, you know, what else do you want to hear discussed on the show? And I got this great question from an anonymous subscriber. And here's the question. What are some of the things that are a pain in the UX field, but are rarely talked about? Yeah, so we can talk about all the happy-go-lucky stuff about switching to a career in UX design, but there are also some pains, as the listener put it. Um, It is work, after all, and work is a four-letter word. So here's a short list of some of the pitas that you'll encounter. Number one, you'll spend most of your time not designing. True, you'll spend a whole lot more time collaborating with others, talking, strategizing, and aligning than you will in front of your computer on Sketch, Figma, or XD. Which leads to number two. There will be a lot of meetings, a lot, an ungodly amount. Cannot stress this enough. You will spend probably 50% of every day in some type of meeting, possibly more if you don't curtail the meeting frenzy that is uh, the corporate world. Number three, everyone has a different idea about what it is you should be doing as in your role as a UX designer. So you will need to define your role and educate a lot of people on what it is that you do and do not do. Number four, it doesn't matter which design software you use, just get really good and fast with one. If you know Figma, you know Sketch. If you know XD, you know Figma. They are really all so ridiculously the same at this point. It doesn't matter which one you use. If you learn one, you can learn another. Just get really good and fast with one. Five, you should probably at least know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. A lot of designers hate hearing this, but it will save you and those you work with a lot of time. Six, a lot of the work you do will never see the light of day. I would say that 90% of the work I've done in the corporate world has never seen the light of day. Either due to iteration, making something obsolete, the sheer amount of options you'll need to create in order to provide a single design, budgets change, missions change, jobs change, roles change, um, get used to a majority of your work, you know, falling into the wastebasket. And that's not a bad thing. Seven, um, you'll work with a lot of different disciplines. Um, You won't always be working with designers. In fact, a lot of UX roles will be you as the sole designer on a team of developers, business analysts, and other disciplines. Number eight, the process is never perfect. You'll almost never have enough time to conduct the full scope of UX exercises you'll want to in a given project. Learn how to make the biggest impact where you are at. Number nine, you're not always going to be working on cutting edge products or technology. A lot of it's going to be very boring business applications using extremely dated tech stacks. That's just the way the world is. 10, there is no perfect, only good. Don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. You'll never put out a perfect product. It will have flaws you'll either didn't see or saw, but were helpless to fix before it was released. Just ship and then learn. 11. In my honest opinion, 
The only thing that matters in the end is what gets shown to the user when they call up your app. So all your time spent making something pixel perfect in Sketch or any other application other than code is kind of a waste of time. Spend the time making the front end code amazing and bulletproof. Otherwise, your pixel perfect Sketch file will turn into something less than perfect when it gets to the front end where somebody has had very little time to spend on it during their design sprint. And a poorly put together UI in code, um, more sketch just isn't going to fix that. And that is the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Again, there's only three more episodes coming this season. Going to take a short break, and then I will be back with season two. Really looking forward to it. And to find anything mentioned on this show and all the other show notes for user flows, you can always find them at thomasmorell.com. That's T-H-O-M-A-S-M-O-R-R-E-L-L.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time.